and welcome to Sligo Sands Podcast. I would first like to thank Michael Cahaney and all the staff and Tricky's McGarrigals for allowing me to record on their premises. In this episode, I talked to Danny Thompson and Dean McDermott from the Well-Dressed Hobos. We discuss how difficult it can be writing and performing your own music, as well as having a pint with Phil Linnett and a whiskey with Frank Sinatra. So, here we go. Welcome to the podcast. Thank Dean you. Dean and Danny. Good. Thank you for Well-Dressed Hobos. Um, I'm just wondering, first question I'd like to ask is... Where are you from? Well, I'm a Sligo native, true and true, whoop whoop. But, um, so we're a Sligo bass band. Danny's the founding member of the band, he's had a few members throughout the years. I'm from Sligo, the two boys, the bass player and Otter, the bass player and Owen, the drummer, they're both from Ballyshannon. Mm-hmm. And then we just recently added Patter Murphy, saxophone player. He's from Sligo as well, I'm pretty sure. I think he is, yeah. yeah I'm, he, I'm from Longford anyway. He's from Longford, Danny's from Longford, yeah. yeah. Was there much music growing up, childhood-wise? For me, um, do you believe my family, my, my dad's is quite musical. Um, I remember being forced to learn guitar. My dad was like, you have to learn an instrument. So he kind of forced me to learn guitar when I was about like, let's say nine or ten. Um, just learned the basic chords. Went out to this girl out in the middle of the arse nowhere. Like, uh, learned about four or five chords. Then didn't touch the guitar again. I was like, no, that's me done. Didn't touch the guitar again until I was about 13. Okay. I started getting into music in secondary school, really got into music. And I'm, I've the oddest taste in music as well because I started off and like I didn't like certain things and my mates were into Metallica. I'm like, oh, I don't like that heavy shit. And then I actually listened to it and then I was like, I fucking love Metallica. <laughs> so yeah, uh, for me, it's been in my family, but my, neither of my parents can play music. My dad thinks he can't but he can't okay. <laughs> he's been trying to learn the same song for the last five six years and he's not making much leeway but <laughs> he'll get there eventually I'm sure and what about you Dan myself uh, I started playing uh, piano probably around the age of five the classical piano I started playing it um, up until probably the age of 16 or something when I was 14 I started playing drums uh, my sister started a band in school and did a drummer so I got a drum kit for Christmas started playing drums with Dan I was about 16 then I started playing bass, uh, playing metal bands and then started playing guitar around the age of 18. I started writing music then probably turned about 19 or something and from there then it's just straight on. So was that all um, self-taught or did you actually go to piano lessons? Piano lessons uh, I went to just like studying on the classical stuff so it was piano lessons. Uh, Drums I taught myself, bass I taught myself and guitar I taught myself. He should have stuck to piano. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So where does the name The Well-Dressed Hobos come from? Um, I was in this competition, Yates songwriting competition, actually in Sligo. I was living that, in that loan at the time, and uh, just on the way down to the, the gig. Kind of looking scruffy, but we were kind of well-dressed, and just kind of said we looked like well-dressed hobos. Like, that we pretty much made the name on the way down to the competition, and it just kind of stuck ever since. Was there any other band names before that? Uh, all, the, all the bands have been <laughs> in before that, yeah. I was in a band called Fallen From Grace. It's a metal band. Uh, another metal band called Resurgence. And there's another one, I think it was like Decapitation when I was like 16 or something. <laughs> With a lot of, lot of different names. I was in another one called Minority Rules as well. Yeah, you'd, uh, me and my mate actually, <laughs> you just mentioned that with the old band. Me and mate were in a band. That's quotation marks because you can't see it on the... <laughs> but... Um, me, Seth and my mate kind of just used to jam in his, in his garage 
like um, we were called <laughs> called Floyd's Roys because we couldn't think of a name. It was like oh, we loved Pink Floyd at the time, about fourteen, fifteen, and came up with the name Floyd's Roys. We're like, that's a great name. And then I never forget. It was like two or three weeks later after making up the name, there was um, some famous um, cyclist who was called Floyd who got done for taking steroids. So, you know, we kind of took the pisses like Floyd's hemorrhoids. You know, so we shortened it to Floyd's hemorrhoids. But then after that, it just seemed like people were like, did you name yourself after that, like, cyclist who was <laughs> done for roids? But yeah. No, we never actually gigged anywhere. We actually made a wee album that we recorded, which we thought sounded great at the time. <laughs> Listening back, it's shite. It's horrible. But it's all a learning curve. <laughs> so style-wise, genre-wise, I hate to say this, but how would you describe... Your music and the well-dressed hobos. Definitely a mixed bag. Yeah, we, we, we've had some trouble kind of trying to figure out what, what genre we fall into. You know when you're applying for festivals and stuff and they, they ask you what genre you're? Well, we were kind of going with... Uh, I, I suppose alternative rock would be the one. But a bit we, of blues, But we reggae. played a bit of blues, a bit of reggae, a kind of hard rock as well at times. We can be quite heavy at times. Yeah. Um, but I would, because we're so many weird kind of styles, I would say kind of alternative rock. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I would have... Yeah, yeah. Just, I'm going to settle on that. Yeah, <laughs> okay. So, the song The Hunt, what's it about? Right, it's, a, it's kind of about... Uh, how other people will uh, try and control how if, if if you don't get on with them or you know they don't like you, they'll kind of control how other people perceive you. Kind it's of kind of a message to to make up your own mind about someone rather than base it on other people's stories about them. Mm. Following the pack and so the pack mentality. I suppose, I suppose it's about someone spinning spinning the pack mentality in their favor of how they view you. I suppose if if that's what you're trying to say there. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but also it's kind of about how like your own image of yourself changes over time like there's some of the lyrics and the, the kind of breakdown uh, I feed fire feel the flames engulf in me that's kind of like how you're I, I was kind of feeding the fire myself to mm. these people it was kind of destroying my own image of myself as well it's, I don't know it's kind of hard to explain in relation to the lyrics then and melody which came first then the melody came first um, um, I don't know the, the lyrics came kind of first with the melody while I, was, while I was writing it, like I was, I was kind of jamming it on the acoustic guitar over a period of uh, a few months, writing down little snippets as, as I was going along like, and, and kind of messing with it. So I kind of came to Dean then with this rough recording I had of just a, you know, the rhythm guitar going with, with some of the, the lyrics on it, and uh, Dean wrote the, the guitar melody of mm-hmm. it, and uh, we kind of recorded that, then I went away and listened to that then over a period of a, a few weeks like and wrote the, the rest of the lyrics along with it and then obviously the, the melody of the lyrics kind yeah. of progressed <coughs> over time with the, the lads adding yeah. and actually suggestions. Took, even that own actually added in. At the time I think he was messing around with kind of um, reggae drum and mm. he doesn't really do reggae drum but he wanted to do the kind of offbeat kind of stuttery kind of drum mm. and even that kind of... The song actually took quite a while to, to write really. It, it took over a course of a couple of weeks because like that bits and pieces a couple of months it's a couple of months a couple of months of perfect definitely it was definitely um, I was in Poland um, back in what was it in June 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 and I was at a system for down concerts and while they were in their break like I was still writing the lyrics there because I have a terrible memory anytime you get a chance <laughs> but it's kind of like the song took so long to write that it, it's just hard to pinpoint of, of where how it actually happened mm. it's kind of 
came together and then now it's just it's written and you really think back on it like it just happened like. yeah it just happened like we kind of had bits and pieces and good chunks of it here and there and then like we decided we want to play it um, it was a gig we wanted to play it for and we're like shit right lads we have two weeks let's get this done and then it kind of just really it really kind of really completed, yeah, yeah. Com- completed itself in that short space of time so we're like right get the finger out <laughs> then, like, yeah kind of announced um when we're in this Slides Got Talent competition, we, we announced that we're gonna premiere a new song on the night that we were doing, just to kind of like, you know, drum up some support to come in and see it. And then like, now once we announced that, we're like, yeah, shit, we better forget. We, we, have, we had to do it, like, we had two weeks, lads. We, yeah, we have a promise we have to keep there. That's good motivation to have them. It, it yeah, is, yeah. <laughs> and as well, because it was our first time playing it live, we wanted to make sure it was like spot on. Mm. We didn't want it to be like kind of half-arsed or yeah. sounding crap. So, which would be easier then? Would it be the lyrics or the melody? Melody definitely easier. Definitely, the the music comes together easier. I think. Is that because you're all playing together, or I, th- I think so? I think as well, we gel quite well. Mm. The four of us, like, um, you can kind of pick up on different bits when you kind of go back. <coughs> um, especially the part. No, I was just going to say that. Especially the part. The kind of midway through the entire tempo changes and yeah. it gets really yeah. Yeah. you're on about the art, like the kind of beats yeah. and the drums it's, like it's, it's, it's completely about right, what if we try this and then we try this. It does definitely does evolve while we're jamming mm-hmm. and evolve while we're, we're like we've room at Danny's house and he's like, you know, kind of soundproof. It's it's pretty much soundproofed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the practice room and like that, um that's where we get most of the kind of when we kind of have say, right, we need to get this done. But that's when we add more tweaks to it. Mm-hmm. But definitely works quite well when the four of us kind of get together. Five of us get together yeah. and uh, try and complete the music, like you know. Mm. Think about the the lyrics and uh, the music. Like I can sit down on a MIDI keyboard and, and write a piece of music, a whole song, probably like an hour or two. But writing lyrics takes months for me like, mm. to. She's supposed to figure out what I'm trying to talk about in the first place. Yeah. And, uh, and you have to be happy with them then as well. You can't, like, for some reason I can't just, you know, sit down and write a, a love song and I just have to figure out something that like, moves me or something and yeah. then I try and write about it. And that just takes ages. You do nothing for months. Unless he was writing a love song about a bag of chips. <laughs> After every gig on the way home, is there a lads, song? can we stop the chips? <laughs> <laughs> That's his one true love, the bag okay. of chips after the gig. <laughs> Um, <coughs> in relation to recording, because you have you have been in the studio in and out. How do you find recording compared to actually um, playing it live? Well, when it came to the EP, I actually which I was also, called which was called the Rogers the Rogers Hill was self-titled EP. Yeah, Sailing Libre. Libre. Yes. When we were playing those songs beforehand, I enjoyed playing them and all that. But when we got into the studio, it was great to kind of just, re- we really, which we've started doing now since then, really break songs down now mm-hmm. and actually see, right, how can we get that part better? Once it was kind of like, I always, one of the worst people for doing it, I always kind of, my solos are never really, very few of my solos are the same every time. I always have different variations. I always mess around with that. I just love jamming like that. Or I might forget a really co- one night I could play a solo. I'm like, that was brilliant. Did anybody get a recording? But uh, <laughs> at least in the studio, you have a few takes little bits and pieces but I liked I, I liked recording it but I think after the studio it was definitely there definitely more solid songs okay. and even now because actually on the EP the drummer Owen McDermott and Otter Cooper mm. bass player they're not on the EP but they've actually made it better sounds better with them because the, the drummer we had at the time completely different style of playing mm-hmm. one's a heavier harder hitter so does it, it, does, it does, does it change the song when you're in the studio in terms of 
like uh, did you have an overall idea of the song you, you know like obviously you were yeah. talking about the songwriting right. thing and then you you jam that out rehearse it and then you go into the studio was there any time where in any of the songs or any of the stuff that you do like even it's it's that weird kind of process where you play live and you might accidentally do an extra drum beat and you go wait that that beat there that should be brought into the next part next time even just a little bit ideas. But, but but does the recording <coughs> process kind of change that does it actually make it you does i think it does. i think it's i think it solidifies your setup i think it um completely um whereas beforehand we might have been like oh i like that i'll add that in or we do little different bits and pieces but at least after the recording it's like right this is the structure song this is exactly how it goes you can do your own variation but you know that's how it's always going to be mm. the main thing on you can build on that but you know you've got your foundations there and you, you solidified how it sounds yeah i also think that um when you're working with a producer who's an outside set of ears like and they can look at it from a from a distance and tell you you know hey i wouldn't try that or, or do that there but you're when you're constantly jamming the song and practicing it and writing it i think you become so close to it that you don't start seeing its flaws anymore and an outside opinion on it, it kind of helps you develop it more like Definitely. for instance one of our songs devil on my back on on dp yeah luke decided you know wait wait why don't you come in with this uh repeating what you're saying here do yeah. like a, an answering back kind of thing and then, yeah. no, and without then, he, that, then, then he thought like right well um how about do harmonies because it was only me and danny doing harmonies he's like why don't we have three and a four part harmony mm. <clears throat> and he actually did them the higher parts but i never would have done it beforehand but now even i'm doing a lot more singing as well because i suppose i get more comfortable doing it i can answer back danny and do some of the harmonies as well so definitely things that would have another one um talking to myself again what well, we were playing pretty much the same thing on rhythm mm. looks like right, well, the producer he's like well, why don't you try this and he's like show me a way to lick and is it actually works with the song definitely the studio is great in terms of um he'll be able to tell you well i know he's already playing this part why don't you think of something different to compliment it yeah which really it does help mm. as danny said get a completely biased opinion pick a new set of ears see what the structure how the structure can change or better improve on it it is good to have somebody outside of the bubble it is in and, terms and of someone who knows what good you know recording protocols are you know what mm-hmm. we could be working on a working on a song uh, in the practice room you know my girlfriend would be she lives in the same house so she'd be out in the kitchen all the time cursing her blind what, what, <laughs> what do you think like what do you think it's like yeah it's good like okay like that's yeah. not enough of uh, an yeah. opinion to know <clears throat> sometimes so do you prefer uh, recording rehearsing or do you prefer to play, play live? I prefer to play live. Yeah, I mean, I, I prefer playing live as well. Like, you know, rehearsing, sometimes we're rehearsing, like, you know, could be eight hours a week sometimes. Yeah. And you just fed up looking at each other and, and get cranky. And it's it's, it's and the thing, it's the, the worst thing about rehearsing as well, especially if you have a time limit that you're setting yourself to get mm. certain songs ready for, and you're just playing the same song over and over again. And of course, every band goes through this. But it is like that. And you play the same song five times in a row, once after the other, it's like, right, well, we can tighten this up a little bit. You're just like, no, can we please give it a break? You know? <laughs> it's not even on the, just on the original music. Like, uh, over over Christmas, we were there in a fairy tale in New York. Yeah. Like, I had to fucking walk out of the room and, and go <laughs> yeah. have a half hour. Danny was like, I'm going for a smoke. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like that, um, yeah, definitely. I think in nearly, nearly learning cover is, is more kind of tedious than... than trying to perfect although saying that obviously we probably should be putting as much effort into perfecting our own stuff but 
I suppose you're trying to emulate someone ex- as close as possible mm. as well. But so I enjoy playing play live. Playing like, but saying that when we were doing, we were, we were in the blue room doing the kind of the lamp sessions. He had us all two different rooms, Danny and the saxophone player Patrick mm-hmm. in one room, and we were playing it live. Uh, that was great crap. Mm-hmm. You could hear everything clearly. You know, we all had our monitors on, the headphones on. That was great fun. I do love recording as well. Like I, I kind of have my own little project studio where I'm working on different stuff all the time as well. I do. Girlfriend's brother and today we were doing some electronic music and some rap stuff and like you know, I'd sit there if, I, if I'm writing a song I'll record it while I'm writing it and just loop it over and over and then work on work on it that way so I kind of I enjoy the recording thing as well it's just it's great to be in the studio by yourself just mm. working on a project and seeing where it comes from like yeah well that, that's the other aspect though it's, it's like yeah. recording on your own it's kind of you can kind of add little bits and pieces and you can head off Whereas that's it, yeah, see, like, if, if, if I showed you the, the recording of The Haunt that I did by myself, and then you compare it to the version that happened with the lads, mm. two completely different songs, but it's kind of the, the bones of where it came from. So, uh, like I said, Foundations different structures yeah. there, like, it's just all, that's a good, we all kind of, we always like to build on it until we have it right. Yeah. It's cool to revisit some of the earlier, because... Some of the earlier stuff that uh, me and Danny had, because we actually didn't have a bass player or a full-time bass player or a drummer for about a good six, seven months, uh, maybe about a year. Was that a good thing, though, in terms of trying to get some Um, kind of foundation set with the band? It was... I wouldn't say that. Well, yeah, it was a good thing in a way that... I'm glad we didn't go through loads of different drummers. Like, the one we have... The lineup we have now is really good lineup. Really happy with it. Mm -hmm. Um, The boys are dead on. They're all really good musicians as well. I think it was just us with two acoustic guitars for a Yeah, for, for a while, yeah. But we weren't strictly acoustic. We also had a, the bass player's girlfriend, Megan, she used to play Cajon with us at times as well. But then I'd have like a, an overdrive pedal with the acoustic guitar. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't sound the best now. It was, it was grand. It was grand for what it was at the time. It was bare bones, but it was, it was early days. It was baby steps. World of difference now when we had the full the full band. I suppose we didn't take it as not nearly as seriously as we do now. It was mm. more something that we enjoy doing. Finding your feet. Finding your feet. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah I always, I always no, took it sorry. pretty seriously, but didn't didn't really put enough <coughs> work into it. Like I'm thinking I was taking it seriously, but not really taking it yeah, seriously. Yeah. Like, you know. It was like I had all intentions of writing songs and getting gigs and all that, but then I didn't actually put in the legwork to actually you know be contacting all yeah. these bars and have a proper. Um, set list and have a proper run time and you know we were actually it was good because uh, we focused a lot a lot of it was focused on writing new material and all that there was no real learning of covers at mm. all but that's kind of what us not taking it as realistic I suppose you need some you need you need to be able to you don't need some necessarily need some but you need to be what, able to contact what changed that was it because he got new members into the band or no we were kind of on the way to doing that anyway um, hey, what are we talking about as well sorry and the way <laughs> just, just in terms of uh, progressed from the two piece yeah kind of oh, great. band yeah. um, well actually there was a there was a place that was uh, you know TD's mm-hmm. Musi Bar uh, got, t- got taken over and the new owner Michael and he ran Musi Bar he used to do an open mic and mm. um, it's a shame, like it was a brilliant open mic. We had a big stage, big PA, big system, and a lot of kind of acts coming there to play. And that's kind of where we play a lot more with other players and play with a full kind of kit and a full sound stage. And that kind of, I think, drove us more to getting the full band going. I mean, I originally like with the Dwellers Hobos when I was living in that lawn, I had like big six piece bands at one stage. 
we have a bongo player and bass player and guitar player. But I moved up here, start again. For the only person we could find at the, <laughs> at the time was, was Dean. We had a few other people, obviously, but uh, it was always the goal to have a full full lineup. Yeah. Like. Actually, I met uh, Danny with his mate Nathan up in TNC one night, and actually, that's when I was like, I don't know how we got talking about music, but he, he's like, Oh, I'm looking for a guitarist. And I was like, Dude, I'm looking for a band. <laughs> uh, so then, then I was just, I think the next day I met up with Danny and started jamming. And actually, I've never once played with Nathan. He was supposed to be a drummer, but never worked out. Yeah, well, that it happens, doesn't oh, it? it does, you yeah. know. But it's rare that when you meet someone on the night out and say, "We definitely have to jam, man." It's rare that it comes of anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, in my in my previous experiences, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Influences wise, who would you be listening to? Um, I've always been a huge fan of Queen's Stone Age, uh, Chili Peppers. Um, actually, one of my favorite guitarists, John Frusciante. Only thing in the last two albums have been anything after the yeah yeah anyway <laughs> up until the Imperium he was like my god like, you know um, yeah uh, that's I like Foo Fighters as well I have, I have a lot of different kind of tastes of music there's a time the only kind of music I don't like is like Irish country western that's because my parents just played it non-stop and, okay I was going to say there's a yeah. bit of a personal history yeah it's a personal history there <laughs> so it's, let's not go down maybe more of that <laughs> Are you Danny? Um, I, I listen to a, a lot of stuff. I mean, if you're to look at my record collection, you'd see Super Tramp, Kate Bush, The King Crimson, Moody Blues, uh, Love John Butler Trio. Don't listen to it that much anymore. But um, you know, obviously, I love the, the Beach Boys, the Beatles. Yeah, yeah, Beatles, Hendrix. Yeah, uh, she's just loads of stuff there. Yeah. It's typical when something. I don't like anything that really comes true in our music, though. Just like the stuff I'm naming, like Kate Bush, and I don't yeah. even really see the influences, but you know. But yeah. I, I guess you kind of, it kind of finds a way. I mean, you might never yeah. even think half of the stuff you listen to like, comes into that kind of thing when you're writing a song. It's funny. Some people, um, the way I play lead, some people's like, "Oh, you're you a fan of Carlos Santana," because apparently I kind of play a little bit like Santana. I don't even listen to Carlos Santana. I do like actually. I, because of that, started I, I started listening to him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's very good. Like he always, I know what he always has been like, but I just, he was never something I was really into. Mm. But like that, when I was younger, I used to love, when I was going through my metal phase, I, you know, I used to, at Metallica, I used to watch videos of, you know, Paul Gilbert and Steve Vai, Joe mm. Satriani. I actually seen Joe Satriani up in Dublin. Amazing. He was amazing. Yeah. I have to say that. He was, <laughs> he was much better live than, than the than the actual songs, Give Him Justice, the MP3s, like, you know. Yeah. If you had a choice to perform with someone, who would it be? Dead or alive? Oh, that's a tough uh, one. Yeah. Can you just like narrow that to alive? Cause sure, <laughs> I'd be dead. Dead or alive? Now, to perform with? Perform with. with. Okay. Yeah. Um, geez, that's a tough one. Yeah, I mean... You put me on the spot there. <laughs> a lot of people I'd like to perform with, but then they would have genre of music to suit their concert as well, you know? There's a few dead musicians I'd love to have a pint with. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. who Phil would you like? Okay. Phil Inner would be one of them. I'd love, love to pint with I'd love to see Tennessee with Phil Inner. Like, mm. Big fan of Tennessee. Um, Sinatra, I'd love to have a pint with Sinatra. Pint with great. Sinatra, okay. A drink, no, it'd have to well, be whiskey. It'd have to be whiskey. You know? <laughs> he couldn't have a pint, he'd be like tutting at you, you know. I guess, um, perform with. Uh, <coughs> and have a pint, obviously. Uh, well, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a new question there. And not have a pint with him. I suppose the levelers, you know, the levelers. I think so they'd be good crack. I think they might some of their some of their lyrics and stuff might be from the the same vein as what we'd be writing about too. Like so, I think maybe 
musically and lyrically like it'd be something that we could fit in with and it'd be a good show and I'd say it'd be good crack so mm. let's go what was the first gig you ever went to Jesus oh. Jesus you went to see Jesus <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing a couple thousand years ago but Jesus <laughs> I tell you he was some crack those uh, those fish and loves trick he did it's class <laughs> no uh, <laughs> end that that's crack yeah. <laughs> um, first gig that I remember like proper gig or yeah well yeah. whichever well yeah. I think one of the first gigs was done like in Barry's down in Grange you know one of those. but my first I don't count that my first proper gig mm. I think think was uh, Queen of the Stone Age and they were supporting Lincoln Park in Marley Park and I went there expecting loads of Queen of the Stone Age teachers ever oh Lincoln Park now saying that Lincoln Park were brilliant mm. it was just after Meteora had come out they were class but Queen of the Stone Age were amazing they, they were the reason I went and mm. I, think, I think I'm nearly certain that was my first proper gig and you dying I can't remember which came first so it went so ACDC but uh, I think before that, I might have gone and seen uh, some Elvis tribute act up in Dublin, <laughs> which is also like, you know, it's pretty cool this time. Oh, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> Do you think the internet is a blessing or a curse for musicians? I think it's definitely a blessing. Um, obviously, it has its uh, good sides and bad sides, like everything. But uh, promotion-wise, uh, releasing stuff, it's, it's much easier to get a... Uh, views and get known online, uh, much cheaper than printing a lot of CDs, yeah, trying true. to sell them, and also for uh, learning songs as well, it's, as I said, it's uh, good for you, and tablature, looking up lyrics for other stuff, or just looking at stuff to inspire you, basically. Definitely, it's great, because I mean, you have everything you need at your fingertips, the only downside would be, probably, <clears throat> whereas beforehand, you know, before the end it was everywhere um, bands had proper record sales but then again it was obviously harder to get them actually distributed and all that mm. it takes away I think from a lot of the bands now they don't make massive amount of money on album sales it's pretty much all kind of gigs and merchandise as well like where that will be the one downside of the internet but as Danny said it's getting your name out there and getting people hearing your music by far it's, it's a blessing like it's, mm. it's, it's definitely one of the pros as well as uh, you know, if you're trying to set up a gig or something, or you want to get in touch with a, another band that you, you like, where, where are you going to find their number to ring them? Now you can just go onto their Facebook page, send them an email, send, a message, yeah. send out a group email to a lot of different promoters if you're trying to you know get some sort of a, what's the word I'm looking for, a publicity package or press yeah, package press around. Package, press pack, yeah. you, know, you don't have to go through an address book anymore. And, ring up a lot of people you don't know what you're trying to catch and you just one button and it's done even in getting in touch with venues it's great because they're all most of the big ones they're all on Facebook anyway and you're bound to hear a message yes or no you know whereas if you could ring them if you're trying to ring them and then you don't answer and they get a missed call and they ring you back if they're busy there's a lot of kind of shuffling back and forth at least when there's messaging to see it through the way, you know. Mm. I, I, I guess I guess the kind of good side as well is that they can see venues can check out your profiles exactly. on your Facebook or exactly, yeah. Bandcamp or any of the yeah. places and check out to see how many likes you get. Yeah, how many yeah. videos you've up. They can check out your stuff on YouTube, see how good you are, you know, see the loyal fan base I suppose. Yeah. Mm. Overall it's probably a bad thing. It's yeah. a I, yeah, it's it's more of a good thing than a bad thing. What advice would you give a musician that's starting out? Rehearsals are key. You know, especially be as tight as you can be before playing gigs. Because one thing you don't want is playing a gig, 
you're half prepared, you sound bad on the night, and say for example if that's like, right we finally got our bit of a break, we have a, our first or second gig, if you play badly or if you know if it doesn't go too well, it mightn't reflect as good as you could be, mm-hmm. and it might kind of deter the venue from getting back again. Definitely repetition. As the old saying goes, practice makes perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? The advice I always gave him was to uh, become an electrician or a plumber instead. <laughs> but, uh, it's a, uh, you know, depends on what what kind of uh, artist you want to be. If you want to be an artist or in a, in a pub band, uh, you know, do you want to make money off the bat and just play covers and, and have a nice comfy comfy job or, or or do you want to like go the artistic route and uh, be writing your own music? I, I suppose, uh, yeah, it all depends say, on what, sorry. <laughs> it all depends on what kind of band you want to be, as Danny was saying there. Mm. Like, loads of people, if you want to be just a, co- not just, if you want to be a cover band, you know, make money, get to play it, you know, in your spare time or whatever, even full time, mm. if that's what you, your passion is just to play music, that's great. But like that, if you're looking to push your own music out, there you have to be prepared to work even that bit harder. Do you want to be on the creative side, like I suppose if you're starting out, be prepared to be broke for a while. Yeah. Uh, our first gigs, the, I was getting paid for playing original music, I was getting paid with uh, curry chips and uh, chicken goujons at uh, some of the gigs. like, mm-hmm. And then eventually you push on hard enough and, and long enough and start making some money then. Enough to, I mean, like, I suppose what we're making in, in our band, we're, we're, we're making enough to kind of fund our band and yeah. like, keep our creative thing going, going to studio. Is that the most never. important thing then? Rather than, rather than being comfortable money-wise? I've never really been in it for Is it that money. circular thing where you're putting the money back into the band? I think that's very yeah. important, yeah. investing back in. Another thing I would say to any musician, any band who's starting up, do not play for pints. Get the money, whatever it is, and buy your own pints, but when oh. have, because you have a lot of venues that will do that, they're like, oh, I'll throw you some money, I'll throw you a few pints as well. And then at the end of the night, like, you know, we've been in situations where like, we've had, you know, maybe three or four points each and there's four of us is like well, we paid X amount and then um, they turn around and like here give a couple of euro less it's like we'll take yeah. the points out you know a lot of venues will do that they'll offer you oh have a few points on yourself and then they'll turn around and say like you know I meant one point mm-hmm. I'd always say cheese your you know I'd always say get you know set a price and then kind of just stick to that yeah songwriting so I, I think I made the mistake a lot in, in the past of uh you know, coming out and playing a song before it was properly aired or properly mm, finished definitely. and uh, playing it again and again at open lights until finally you actually have it finished but like you, people have heard it so many times and so many different versions and weren't really ready that like you know what's well, actually finally finished and on point no one really cares about it anymore because mm. it's already just that song I think that's when in particular with The Hunt we didn't want to play that until it was ready mm. And there's now a few songs like that. I think it's definitely important, especially with original material, just to make sure you have it ready. But then it's the other side of it that, uh, you know, if you don't play it and, and don't to finish it and, and never finish it, then is that worse? You know, it's you're, wasted you're then, yeah. wasting so much time doing nothing. Yeah, I, think, I, suppose, I suppose if you hold on for too much and you know, think, oh, it's not ready, it's not ready, it's not ready, at some point you have to go, look, we'll take the plunge, see how yeah. it goes. So I suppose, like, on advice, just keep going at it. <laughs> so in other words, keep direct, redirecting so in other words we didn't answer that question. <laughs> Should be politicians <laughs> answer the questions. So what, what's the best advice you've ever gotten from another musician? They've, they've all just told me I'm crap and forgive up like that. <laughs> no. for, for writing songs, just to be, you know, constantly observing what's, what's going on around you. Uh, 
have your you know either your notepad or your phone yeah something you see something that that makes you feel something like make a little note about it in your phone mm -hmm. uh, come back to all this stuff later on and like I, I can go through my phone and I can see tons and tons and tons of little snippets of just a lot of it's crap that I write when I'm on a, on a night out and look at it the next day but just constantly observe everything that's happening around you and take note of it and that's it really. Mm. The, the one advice, I know this is going back to the previous question, that was a bit of advice I would have for musicians. Like there's been times where I'm like thinking of like, oh that, those are great lyrics and then I have the melody in my head and then I write out the lyrics and then I come back to two or three days later and I'm like, right, these lyrics how the hell am I supposed to sing this? How does it go? So even just even if you feel like a dope, find it somewhere quiet and kind of sing it how you expect to sing it. Yeah, I and maybe, it down on my phone. And maybe <laughs> and maybe hum the melody in the next recording just so you know where it's kind of going. <laughs> but um, a yeah. lot of uh, recordings of just if you know. Da, 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 da. <laughs> but it's, it's a great way to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. A good advice that I've gotten is like no matter if you're playing to a hundred people, thousand people, or one person give it your all each time mm. because you know that one person could tell 10 people could tell you know it's a domino effect you don't know who you're singing to at any night you don't know who's in the crowd you don't know who could be a lifelong who could turn into a lifelong fan whereas if you see some bands and they might be playing to like an empty bar but they play half first you know so you know you need to be able yeah. to and every band has their off night as well I think as well though like you know if you're, if you're playing to to like three people down in the swag band, you know, they'll be screaming like, oh, thank you, swag man. Like, but you know, you're not, not going to do the full on rock star, but you're going to give the song the yeah. I mean, you don't have to do the, you know. So give, give it socks. Give it like socks. Maybe yeah. not power slides after every song, but give it <laughs> socks. Like. Don't be pretentious, but give yeah. it socks. Yeah, exactly, that's it. Don't be Bono, there's one of them already in the world, and that's enough. <laughs> we can edit that part out, we don't want to be from No, you can leave that in. Leave it in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, edit out the part of me saying about editing it out. <laughs> Do I edit that out? <laughs> in relation to you guys as musicians, how would you describe Sligo in terms of uh, creativity, gigging, inspiration-wise? Sligo is full of really good bands. Um, I don't think, although it's probably, well no actually, I would say, it's a really good mix of music in Sligo. Mm. And actually for such a small town, it has quite a good music scene. I have to admit, there's a lot of different types of music. It would be cool if we got like say if certain venues took it upon themselves to like say maybe once a month maybe twice a month right we're gonna have a Sligo rock night or something like mm -hmm. that and get some local bands in and push it but no the, I have to say there is some really good talent in Sligo and there's a really good music scene yeah I, I, I would say it's pretty good like mm. yeah I mean I, I I like the Sligo music scene like I lived in Atlone and in Cavan and Dublin for a while but. I've always loved Sligo, it's always just brought me back to it and I, I think it's a good creative creative kind of atmosphere in town around here like definitely. Is it different from Cavan? Uh Cavan's got a great music scene as well. Um I prefer Sligo just as a as a town and you know, all, all the bands that I that I love in, in Sligo are all great. But it's some really good bands from Cavan as well. I don't know it's hard to compare the two mm. of them together, like but uh I think Sligo is a accepting kind of like encouraging kind of music scene people are, are more likely to you know give you a push and give you some advice I was found but yeah. there's some really good musicians out there as well so it's, uh, I'm not yeah. really answering the question anyway no 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 but like in terms of like creativity then you guys writing songs and stuff I mean I guess that feeds off what you're writing if you have like let's say a place to rehearse like rumble rehearsals great rumble rehearsals great and, spot um, 
Yeah, you know, like that. Like the, I have to say, that's that's changed. I think that's definitely brought up. Like we've seen, like the standards in the bands, um, because before, like, but three years ago, there was nothing really in. There's nothing in town, and Rome was a great spot. I mean, to have everything and Charlie's bang on as mm -hmm. well. Like so, and it's not it's not overly priced either. It's not like shockingly expensive. But that's it. I mean, but so I mean, in terms of that, like the people that are around Sligo, like when I do say about describing Sligo, I just mean that that's pretty much the way you've described it. It's like the people around are yeah, they're all they're all for it. Like they're all for it. I think that's that's the big even thing. all the even all the even the pubs in town they're all for it. Like mm. like the guy goes here, like they're great for live music. Like, yeah, like they, they're so great. They have us every Monday. <laughs> <laughs> What time do you kick off at? Uh, uh, 10 o'clock, sharp. Quarter past 10 if we're waiting for boobs to come. Yeah, but no, there's great music scene, like McGargle, Swagman, you know, even Connolly. All the pubs really in town. Mm. Even another great band. I don't know what they're like. A white gorilla Sligo band? Yeah, Sligo members. Yeah, they're playing Sligo every week. But yeah, but they play, like, they're a phenomenal band. Mm. Like, the quality of them is serious, like. And then you have, well, you had. You had Rackers. They're brilliant. But, uh, uh, no, but there's like loads of loads of really good music. Mm. Actually, there's music. It's one of the very few towns I, I I'd say that I've been to that there's music every night of the week. Even like my mate Michael works in a, one of the hotels in town, mm. and guests come the whole time. And like that, any night of the week, he can tell them where to go for music. There's always something for somebody. You don't really get that around the rest of the country. You don't. There's always and there's always different types of music. If you want trad, if you want rock, if you want you know, there's there's. Something, something for everyone. Mm. Music scene wide in Sligo. Like see, like uh, I think I see Sligo as kind of bridge between Galway and Dublin. Like there's a. I guess we really are the gateway city. <laughs> Sorry, that's terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's like uh, I definitely think so. Yeah, there's a lot of mixing involved. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's the most important question you can ask yourself as a musician? Um. Is that good enough? Can I do better? For me, that would be. Okay. Can I do better? Can I be improved upon? Danny. Ah, Jesus, I don't know. Uh, did he just take your answer? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I wish I wish I'd come up with that answer. Uh, what What's the most important question I could ask myself? What the fuck am I meant to say to this <laughs> answer? I don't know. I guess uh, you know why are you doing this, and you know it might not always be like. Everything going swimmingly, like so. I guess, like you know, what's your, what's my main motivation and, and reason for, for being a musician? I guess. Uh, what am I trying to say when I'm writing a song? But also now, it's just yeah. <laughs> Tell me about. <then. laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess like that's it. Yeah, why, why am I doing this? And what advice would you give a sixteen-year-old Danny or Dean? Um, what advice? Myself, because I didn't really, this is my first proper band to be in, like I didn't, I'd say jump at every chance you have to join bands, to play with different bands, even play different styles of music. I mean, jump jump head first. Um, uh, definitely, like I remember, when I was younger a lot of time because I lived out in, out in the shticks, you know, <laughs> a lot of the time, we couldn't, we couldn't get the broadband out there, you know, okay. it was only the dial up, so it was crap. <laughs> Um, so I spent hours and hours just messing around with music, um, downloading the old, off my mates, you know, the old tabs you used to get, like Power Tab and all that. Um, shout out to Power Tabs. Shout out to Power Tabs. 
they're a thing of the past oh, now. <laughs> but like, uh, definitely, I'd say just practice as much as possible. Play with as many bands as you can. Mm. I don't. Um, I think it's more. It's true to the music scene now. A lot of bands. You know, sometimes a lot of musicians you can't necessarily stick to just one band. You know, it's it's okay to play with different types of bands, mm. and you can have your main band or you can have the band you want to be with. But don't be afraid to play with other musicians, even if it's not the style you're not used to. Just broaden your horizons. Mm. I'd say uh, don't waste your time with uh, people who aren't interested. If you go chase someone, it's come to practice or whatever. You know, That's why great. why would you? Why would you do it? Why would you waste your time? Obviously not interested. Wasted enough time with uh, people who aren't interested, who uh, lead you along, and you know, That's a good try to try to keep uh, keep going or putting off excuses or you know canceling practices or, or whatever over and over again. And I'll say probably you know you know, believe in yourself more. Uh, a lot of you know, I remember being you know well probably like a probably better musician than I was back when I was younger, but I just remember being you know crippled with fucking stage fright and, mm -hmm. and fear and worried about what people were going to think and, and mm -hmm. now I've kind of reached a stage where I just don't really care anymore and just like go for it and it's really started showing more in our performances. Yeah, so don't don't be afraid to sing in front of people. The only way you're <laughs> going to get over it is by singing in front of people. Exactly. What was 16 year old Dean and Danny's favourite album? Oh. Mm. Around that time. Around yeah. that time, I'm fairly certain it was probably. Oh, actually, no, 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 no. Yeah, sixteen-year-old. Yeah, that's alright. Um, <laughs> it was probably "Songs for the Deaf." By the way, but you remember stuff that too. I think for me, it was probably a, a trivium. I used to listen to a lot of trivium. Yeah, I loved the energy, the the crack, and I also loved the fact that we're playing it in a metal band in Mullingar, and I was from Longford. I was able to come over and you know. Chat up all the metal girls from Mullingar, like I wouldn't know who it was, and then just sit on back home to Longford again. A lot of my like love for metal was uh, was that, <laughs> but uh, it's definitely the Trivium or uh, probably Black. In Flames or or Bullet from a Valentine or something like that. Whole the the Black Album was another one for me as well. Love the Black Album, Metallica. Do you still listen to those albums? No, I don't. Yeah, listen. I listen to a bit of In Flames. There's a couple of songs I, I still enjoy. But jeez, when I was like, I was. <laughs> Nothing but listening to Queen's songs when I was younger, um, and then I kind of got older and got Yeah, but the thing is, I revisited them, and they're every bit as good. Mm. Um, I find the ones I, I I don't listen to as actively as I used to that album, mm. uh, but I would definitely uh, there's been times where I, I like to revisit them every now and again. You know, if if you haven't, because after a while you do get sick of listening to the same album, you want to listen to different types of music. But I always find I do come back. Or, mm. I always liked it. Go. Plans for the future for the well-dressed holes. Have you got anything lined up in the next couple of months, years? Well, I mean, <laughs> we're we're planning on for summer to get some new releases. Headline Burning Man, so that's a plus. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if only, if only. Danny's just. We're not headlining Burning Man. I wish. Man, no, yeah. Yeah. Right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sponsored You've heard it here. <laughs> I don't think anybody. Headlines, man. It's not that kind of festival, anyway. We'd make it that kind of festival. <laughs> At the end of every episode, um, I've been writing down different things that you've been saying. Right. Um, and this is going to be the name of the episode. Okay. Okay. So I picked five, and I want. Well, this could be a band breakup right here, deciding what the name of you want to call the it. So it's called. So number one is in the process of writing a rock opera. 
Number two, good sides and bad sides. Number three, better than the MP3. Uh, number four, become an electrician instead. Yeah, or number true. five, edit that out. Oh, between an electrician and edit it yeah. out, Luke. Uh, I'm going to say become an electrician instead. And what do you decide? Oh, uh, I want to edit it out. You know, I become an electrician instead. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks very much, Danny and Dean, from the Wilder Souls. Thanks again to Dean and Danny for being on this episode. You can find out all gig listings and where to find their music on the links below. Big thanks to Michael again for letting us record in Tricky's McGargles. I could not do it without your support. Finally, I would just like to say thank you for listening, sharing and all the kind messages of support I've received while doing this podcast. Until next time, I'm Stephen Cahaney and you've been listening to Sligo Sands Podcast. 